Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hello, I'm Gail. And I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and we're delighted to welcome you to today's episode. Each week, we showcase vital women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who continue to shatter the myths that we become invisible as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest focuses on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. Our thanks to previous podcast guest, Pat Honeyotis, for introducing us to Sandy Rogers. Sandy is 72 and currently lives in Arizona. In Sandy's own words, she does not have a robust degree, has not traveled extensively, and has always done whatever she needed to do to survive. I immediately knew Sandy was a woman we'd like to interview. When I asked her what she might like to talk about, she came up with many topics, starting with adoption reform. At 15, Sandy became pregnant, and at 16, gave up her only son. On his 20th birthday, they were reunited. After leaving her corporate job in sales and marketing, she became a massage therapist, and later, after filing bankruptcy, opened a consulting business that supports business owners who provide services in the holistic health, metaphysical, and spiritual fields. And now, Sandy works full-time as a receptionist for a state agency. Sandy, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. And thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. We're happy. Your story is so filled with resilience and reinvention. And adoption reform is certainly one topic we would like to discuss. So what can you tell us about your experience? Well, you know, it started with getting pregnant at 15, living in a little tiny town in in Ohio, southern Ohio, and becoming the ridiculed teenager, like I was the only young girl who'd ever gotten pregnant out of wedlock. And, um, you know, went through a pretty horrific experience there, including giving up my only child, the only child I would ever have to adoption when he was born. Um, in fact, I never knew I had a son until I was 27. So it, there was just lots of, lots of grief and loss around that whole experience. And when I was in my early 30s, mid, mid to early 30s, um, I decided to do a search for him. And on his 20th birthday, we were reunited for the first time by phone. He actually was... Um, in the army and stationed in Germany. So we had a long distance relationship for about a year and a half before he came back to the States and we were reunited in person. Um, And out of that, I I started, um, during that period of time, I started an organization, a chapter of a national organization called Concerned United Birth Parents. And I started a chapter in Louisville, Kentucky. I was living in Louisville by then, a job had taken me there. And, got very involved in adoption reform, meaning um, so many adoptees, that the, the greater majority of adoptees really have a desire to know their history. We, we used to make the analogy that people who have pets know the pedigree of their pet 
more than adoptees know their own quota, and I'm going to use the term pedigree. They, they don't know anything about their, their relatives, their bloodline, their medical history. They know nothing about themselves except what they've been told by their adoptive parents in the system. And most of them, let me just clarify, most adult adoptees have great love and respect and admiration for their adoptive parents. They're, they're their parents. They acknowledge that they're their parents. But there's a huge hole that's missing. So one of the things that I got very involved with is um, creating some adoption reform in the state of, of Kentucky and basically worked with a group of people and we were able to get a law passed in Kentucky and this was back in the 80s, 85, 86 period of time, um, that basically allowed an adult adoptee to petition the original court of jurisdiction and request identifying information of their birth family. The was mandated to do a, and the word would be reasonable and quote unquote reasonable search for the, usually the birth mother. Um, and at that point in time, we didn't have computers like we have today. So it meant they opened up the phone book. If they found the birth mother's name in the phone book, they would reach out and let the birth mother know that their child was, was looking for them. And if the birth mother agreed, then they would facilitate um, a reunion. So that, that really began my, my work in the adoption field and, and creating safe space for adoptees, birth parents, as well as adoptive parents that we refer to as the triad um, in support groups. Um, I also got very involved with another national organization called the American Adoption Congress, and I put on and hosted a five-state regional conference around that topic. So, you know, my, my passion was my, came out of my own personal, and I'm going to say tragedy. Um, and, and I've, you know, I stayed very active in that field for many, many years until I moved to Arizona in 92. And then I, I was pretty much burned out because I was helping people do searches and, and just support them. So it, it's quite an involved story. And interestingly enough, just this last year, I was invited to participate with some adoption reform right here in Arizona. Um, and just a few months ago, testified before the House of Representatives um, Committee regarding this topic. And unfortunately, we had COVID takeover, and so the legislature got shut down. So that's kind of a thumbnail sketch of what's happened with my adoption reform work. Sandy, are you aware of how many states have adopted what you were able to do in Kentucky? Um, it's a very small handful of states. I believe right now the number is 10, I think. New York, the most recent one to pass. I know that Illinois has adoption reform. Mm -hmm. I knew a woman who was in your position and she, but she, she was she was in the position of your son. She had no knowledge at all of her birth parents and she really wanted to find them. And, and uh, as a legislator, she was able to make the, leg the uh, legislation come about so that the, the uh, documents would be opened. And, and as a uh, adoptee, you could search for your birth parents. Mm -hmm. Well, the interesting thing that's happened in today's world is DNA testing. Uh, there was an interesting experience that I had with the Arizona legislature just a couple of months ago one of the members of that committee 
um, <laughs> shared a story about how um, keeping the records sealed and closed is just almost a moot point anymore with the advent of all the uh, DNA testing that goes on with 23andMe and Ancestry.com and, and a variety of other um, services in that he said he came into his office one day and there was a young woman sitting there and, and, he's, and, and she was in tears. And he said, you know, I'm a legislator. I can probably help this woman. <laughs> How can I help you? And she said, well, I need to tell you that you're my father. <laughs> oh. Some DNA testing and through all of the, the lineages of different trees on that DNA uh, chart, um, she found out who her father was and he admitted, he said, you know, that was during my days of being a wild and crazy guy and I had no idea that I had created mm. a child. So <laughs> those kind of stories are becoming abundant now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Sandy, I'm sorry, is your son still in your life? He is. Yeah, we've been reunited 30, going on 36 years now. Oh, oh wonderful. <laughs> yeah. That, that's really great. So, so um, it, it seems to me that everything you've accomplished in your life has been because you've gone out after it and nothing was handed to you on a silver platter. That's for sure. No. <laughs> and, and you've accomplished quite a bit. And, and so well, I know you were in corporate America for a while, but then you went into business for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I when I graduated high school, there was no opportunity for me to go to college, and, and I had great administrative skills and worked my way through corporate America and a variety of jobs and landed in sales and marketing and, and really enjoyed that, that work. Um, but the last corporate job I had was, was one working in a very male-dominated industry. I sold concrete block and traveled the state of Arizona received the same perks and benefits as my male counterparts, and I became very very discouraged and was in my late 40s at the time and decided it was time to do a brain break without walking away from the job from a job that did pay me and and I did have benefits just not the same as my male counterparts and I ended up taking some classes in massage therapy just for a brain break not because I wanted to become a massage therapist but it was 180 degrees from what I was doing and it just helped me get myself focused and recentered and Long story short, I ended up really enjoying that work and left my job and started my own massage practice. And, and in a very short period of time, I, I was very good at networking and, and, you know, people used to call me the referral queen because I, I had an extensive database of people in a variety of industries and, and professions and um, built my practice very quickly. I, I was seeing five and six clients a day in a private practice mostly six days a week. And after a few years of that, realized that now I'm well over 50 and I can't do this work forever. It's very physical. Um, and it, long story short, started a holistic health expo, which at the time in the, in the early 2000 was, was an event that was going on around the country. There were several people hosting those kinds of events. And, um, I, I fell into my role of creating an event out of nothing um, based on what I had done with the, the American Adoption Congress and, you know, had a five-state regional conference. So I, I used the skills that I gained from that to, to create a holistic health expo. And it was an event that I 
that I hosted once a year at the convention center in Phoenix. So it was a pretty large event and um, did that for a few years. And the third year in business, I partnered with some people who it was not a good business decision. And there were some other extenuating circumstances that happened. And I ended up in bankruptcy with that event. And out of that, created the what I still do today, which is doing consulting and marketing uh, consulting with businesses that are, as, as you mentioned earlier, that are in the holistic health arena, that are in the spiritual metaphysical arenas. Mm -hmm. you, um, I know you have a website called Ask Sandy Rogers. I do. <laughs> what, is, what is that? came out of the birth of my, my bankruptcy. I have many people who I'm blessed with that I, I call family that are friends. And one of those friends at the time was, was building websites. And I was in a pretty dark depression after the bankruptcy. And um, he called me up one day and he said, Sandy, I want you to log on to the internet. And I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> I was not happy. And I've been on my pity pot for, for quite a few months. And he, he told me to log in AskSandyRogers.com, and I did, and up popped this website with my picture in the middle of the page and the title Referral Queen across my picture, and I'm like, man, take that down. I can't. And he said, it's who you are. It's what you do. Now go to work. Damn it, you can't give it back. <laughs> so, so that was the birth of AskSandyRogers.com. So what is the range of questions that you can handle? Range of questions in terms the range, yeah. of referrals. Yeah, a refer a referrals. Mm -hmm. I'm merely in the arenas of holistic health, metaphysics, and spirituality. Okay. okay. Pretty extensive database. I, I still help promote in a variety of ways. And the, the biggest way that I promote my clients is through a newsletter, for lack of a better term, that I, I produce and, and put out periodically that promotes their events or their business. Mm -hmm. And and through that, I, I'm still very connected to the community. Your, uh, your resilience and your reinvention, your ability to reinvent yourself, stand out as two tremendous traits that have kept you going all these years. Are you thinking at all about the future? You know, I, I actually do not. <laughs> I live for today, and I know there are people who say that's a big mistake, and, and I, I really live for today. Um, you know, one of the things that happened with my, with my consulting business is I got a little burned out with it, and I started doing some Kelly Services um, temporary assignments several years ago. You know, and, and they wanted to send me on these long-term assignments to do administrative work. And, and I was like, no, I'll, I'll do three days max. And one of the assignments they sent me on about four years ago was with a, a state agency that, again, a long story short, has turned into a full-time position with the state. So, you know, it's one of those things that I can still do my business with my, with my consulting clients. I can, I can do that evenings and weekends and you know, because I have an email, I can support them through that email. So, you know, when Gail, when you and I talked and I said, I really didn't think I had much to contribute. When you said I'm the queen of reinvention, it was like, I guess I could say that. <laughs> I think you could. <laughs> um, I'm curious, Sandy, about given you've been in, um, involved in the world of holistic and metaphys metaphysics, 
what do you see as how are how are those fields evolving and um i'm i guess i'm hoping that you'll say that there's a more wide more widespread acceptance and interest in in those areas but what what have what do you see oh absolutely there are and in fact it's fascinating to me that if you watch movies or a lot of the television series these days, there's often references to, to metaphysical um, beliefs and way of living. And interestingly enough, I, I find them also connected to the adoption world. Um, you know, there are some, are some TV programs that, that focus on adoption reunion and adoption searches. And, and so I find it interesting how they've all woven together. And there's a much larger acceptance, uh, especially, and, and here's where I think the, the um, I think the attitude changed regarding metaphysics and spirituality was with the advent of yoga becoming so popular. Mm -hmm. Can you, uh, just for our, our listeners who might not know the metaphysical, how would you explain that to someone? Metaphysical, it's such a complicated explanation. Mm -hmm. Metaphysical is, is having a belief that there's much more than, than that there's much more outside of us that we connect to inside of us. Um, and, and our belief systems. It's not, a, it's not a belief as much in religion, traditional religion, whether that's Christian religion or Jewish or Muslim or other religions, as much as it is about a belief that there are things greater than us outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, you you had mentioned uh, something also, another project that you have about the five-year journal? Oh, that's a project near and dear to my heart. Um, journal is a book it, that you journal in for five years. Um, there's basically three lines a day that you can journal the highlights of your day, or oftentimes people have used that book for a goal journal or a health journal. Um, there have been women who've, who've used it as a journal when they found out they were pregnant and they've journaled for the next five years about their pregnancy and, and the life of their child. Um, and it's not a book that I created. It is a book that I inherited from a very dear friend. Um, her name was Doreen Clement. And Doreen created that book out of her own love and passion for journaling. Um, Doreen passed away in 2007, and I took care of her for four years before she passed. She asked if I would please keep her legacy alive and keep that journal uh, in publication. So that, that's pretty much what I've done. Um, and I find it interesting, given that I'm not a journaler. I, I'm not one of those people who has volumes of books of, of journaling. And so when Doreen asked me to do that, she knew that I, I didn't journal. She said, no, but I know you're the one who'll keep it alive. <laughs> has it changed your, your feelings about journaling personally? It, honestly, it hasn't. <laughs> enough. You know, it's one of those things that, that um, and I'm not sure if it comes from a very young experience of having my diary read by my father and my brothers. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, in, in written form. So I, you know, I have 
other ways that I manage my thoughts. Yes. Do you do yoga? I do not. <laughs> how do you keep yourself in shape? I do. I do keep myself in shape. What do you do? Um, I do walking, a lot of walking. I do meditate. I do have meditation practices. Mm-hmm. Yoga is a form of meditation, but I, I find that I just, I'm not really drawn to that whole practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting because that is the area that you're supporting. And, it is. and yeah, and so uh, do you believe in holistic medicine? Oh, absolutely I do. I it's it's rare for I have a holistic practitioner. Uh, I have a doctor who's a naturopath, who's an MD and an ND. So, you know, when it's time for me to ha- and I'm very healthy. I'm I'm in tremendous gratitude for my health. Mm-hmm. It's rare, rare, rare for me to have any kind of an illness or a challenge. That should only keep up. We, we wish that for you, for sure. Well, I'm very blessed in that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, do, you, do you think at all about aging? I guess you don't. You know, I don't. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm also very blessed that I, I, I really don't look my age. <laughs> and, and people just never believe me when I tell them I'm going to be 72 in June. Um, you know, but I'm very blessed in that way. And I contribute some of that to, to not only the way that I live my life, but also genetically. Yes. Did your parents live to an old age? Yeah, my parents didn't. My parent, my mother passed at age 60. Her full, her whole family was gone by the age of 62, her brother and, and her parents. My father's side of the family, however, has great longevity. My grandmother was 99 when she passed and she would have she would have probably still been here, but she fell and broke her hip and shoulder. And You know, I think it's time for me to go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you really have, I, I, as I said before, your, your approach to living and your ability to reinvent yourself and to keep, it seems that curiosity is, is one of your traits. It is. It is. It's easily. It's easy for me to get squirreled away. And what I mean by that, especially with the internet, it's like, oh, look at that—a new shiny object over here. Yes, Sandy, I was going to ask you when you are working full time. So I know that takes a a, a chunk of the day. Uh, so what else? How else are you spending your your time or your interests? Um, you know, I, I do enjoy reading. Um, I don't read as much as I used to. I, in fact, I just cleared out my, my bookshelves very recently. It's like something need to pass these books along to somebody else who might enjoy them. Um, but I, I do like to be outdoors. Right now, we're getting into a period of time where my outdoor time has to be early morning. If I go, because mm-hmm. by nine o'clock in the morning, we're at a 90 degrees. So, uh, but, but that's pretty much, you know, I, my joy comes in working with people, talking with people, being a resource for people. That's really what brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, this has been a wonderful morning with you. And thank you so much for sharing your story and for bringing light to adoption reform and, and your work in that area. I know that's very important to a lot of people. So thank you, Sandy. 
And uh, we appreciate your being on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you, Gail and Catherine. I appreciate this very much. And thank you. And listeners, we want to hear from you. Please share your thoughts in our Facebook group at Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Become an active participant in our community and join us at our Zoom events. Access our weekly Wednesday podcasts. And if you know a vital woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us at womenover70.com. We'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.